welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa, where we count down the top 100 horror movies of all time. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. How you doing? I'm alright. I'm pretty chilly, but I'm kind of liking it, so... My feet feel like they're about to fall off, <laughs> and I've got no one to blame about that except for myself. You literally have no socks on or anything, no. so... I just, just... I'm badly, badly prepared <laughs> for this cold snap. Um, there's a lot, a lot of uh, American people or other people listening to us being like... All these guys too talk about the weather, how hot they are, how cold they are. <laughs> it's one or the other, and you just it's, got. It's just Britishness. We just like just to British talk about baby. the weather. So, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> um, anything else going on? I don't think so. Things. Uh, no, I think we're. Uh, I think we're doing all right. I think I was quite surprised looking at the list because this is. I'm not going to tell you what we're listening to yet. Although I'm sure you're guessing it from the title. Yeah, I was going to say, tell him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're already on number 82, which means we are like careering dangerously fast into another reshuffle. We're almost a fifth of the way there. Wow. Is that right? I don't know. Maths. Maths. No. 20. Yeah, 20. We're almost, a, we're almost at episode 20. Is this episode 20? Yeah, it probably will be because of the reshuffle and <laughs> episode zero. Anyway, you're all like, oh my God, shut the fuck shut up. up. Um, but when we, when we get to movie 80, we'll be a fifth of the way there. Okay. That's maths. Okay. Quick maths, as the kids say. <laughs> um, so what are we talking about? This week, we are talking about Mario Barber's Black Sabbath, which came out in 1963. Like yes, that. that was that was going to be one of my little facts for anyone who <laughs> anyone who's listening who um, who doesn't know that Black Sabbath were originally named Earth. And they Terrible were, name. Yeah, well, they were looking. In, in fact, they were looking for a different name because there was another band already called Earth. Uh-huh. And they were, I think it was in like, like 1968, even though this came out in 63. In 1968, they were playing uh, a little gig in Birmingham uh, and they walked outside and they saw that um, there was a cinema across the street that was playing this film. And they were kind of surprised that like people would pay good money to be scared yeah and they were like that's kind of the attitude that we want you know we want people to come <laughs> and pay money for for stuff or whatever and so they borrowed the name and and the rest is history so i quite like that little fact yeah definitely <laughs> um i've only seen one ma- i've seen bay of blood mario barber's other movie one of his other movies i think that's the only movie of his that i've seen okay i don't know if i've seen any of his before this one so i'm quite interested the thing is though i this movie was not what i was expecting because having seen bay of blood bay of blood is like a total like proto slasher yeah like gore there's you know what i mean like bright red blood everywhere Mm. i don't remember it being like real um what's the word you know like it doesn't dwell on the gore yeah it doesn't it's not like hostile where it's like yeah it's not like you know severed windpipes and <laughs> ankles being smashed and things no. like that but i do remember there being a lot of blood in it um it's not on the list is it bay of blood no no okay maybe no we, we have we have other we have on... other barbers but not that one i know bay of blood's on shudder so i might give it a watch tonight okay that's cool um but yeah go on tell us tell us about this black sabbath okay so black sabbath was basically um like a trilogy of horror stories uh and each of them are introduced by and the final one is starring boris karloff who is like you know one of the the kings of monsters so in in last week's episode if you were listening we had christopher lee and peter cushing who are both total awesome badasses we've had lon chaney previously um and now we have uh boris karloff and he does a great job of like setting the scene the atmosphere but also chucking in a little bit of like campy humor as well this the the kind of like um interstitials like the little bits that break up the 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 stories themselves reminded me so much of treehouse of horror Mm. i was like this could just be ripped straight from a simpsons episode yep it's just him against like a blank screen like explaining a little bit about it and uh, like what's gonna happen not what's gonna happen but like 
you know the the kind of core of the story and then it leads into like each little section um one thing that i wanted to point out with you saying about uh how it doesn't really uh match up with like what your experience of barva is Mm -hmm. is that the version that we watched was uh the american international pictures version okay so that version basically uh they were like yeah we like it but we kind of want to make it a bit more like palatable for american audiences and like other audiences and stuff like that and so we're just going to make a few changes and so those changes were to um first dull down the color because he had like that real vibrant like gaudy yeah technicolor like giallo kind of like craziness going yeah, color on color palette yeah. yeah so they kind of like dulled that down i think it was like pathé who did it so they made it like a bit more like muted and stuff uh and then they removed a lot of the uh instances of like super graphic horror so it just kind of makes me want to hunt down like i think arrow have like a version of oh, it man, that to- has it's totally the version if i'd known i would have definitely sought yeah, out but, that version but... but it's it's available on uh on arrow so i'll make sure that i stick it up on the uh horror movie store if i can get hold of it um so you can purchase it through there and then uh we'll get a few pennies back at no extra cost to you um which has the the, like the theatrical version and like this version and uh and different things like that but it does actually change the the way that um the second uh the second story the telephone it changes the the angle that they're coming in at from that so once when we're going through that i'll explain what the like the differences are as well did i not also see that um uh the the ordering is different yes yeah Yeah. so like in the in the in i because i did all i i didn't know that they'd done all those like they cut stuff out and Mm. that they'd changed the colors but i did know that it was a version where they had like an extra interstitial with boris carlock and an extra and sorry and uh in the the other version the uh the specter was the the final one right uh, we've got um so it's uh the telephone um then, sorry, uh, the ver- yeah, the version that we watched, it was the drop of water. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, then the drop it, of water then it was Spectre. then it was the telephone, and then it was the Vodalac. Uh-huh. And in the uh, original Italian version, it was the telephone first, then the Vodalac, and then the drop of water. I feel like I would have preferred to watch it in that order. Really? I feel like that makes more sense to me in terms of like going from not getting too much into the review itself, but in terms of going from weakest to strongest i would say that that would be the right order for me okay so the telephone first then the verdelac then drop the of drop water. of water okay because i really did like yeah so i mean obviously we'll be able to like review these three different films because uh, like the the idea was that bava kind of wanted to do uh horror to show horror in different time periods yeah. if that makes sense so you've got like a medieval kind of like or like old world kind of story um with the verdelac um you've got like a i'm not sure what kind of uh era the um like drop of water oh it's like 19 like early 1900s i'd say yeah. like 1910s definitely um, sort of like got like a real gothic Victor- yeah, yeah Victorian gothic horror kind of to thing. it and then um uh, and then the telephone, I'd say, is like yeah, uh, 1960s. Just, just to sort of like go back to each of them, I think that that, that works perfectly because you look at the Verdelac mm. and that is straight up an old fairy tale. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a myth that you would hear, um, that you would see written down in some dusty old book. And then you go to something like uh, A Drop of Water, which seems really like a Victorian sort of style ghost story. And then you move on to the telephone, which is, for all intents and purposes, like a once again like a proto slasher. Like, how many different movies could you see influenced by the telephone? Telephone, telephone, telephone uh, <laughs> scream being the most obvious one, but lots of other ones as well. Yeah. Um, so I think you know it's, it's it's interesting to see how he's handled each of them. Okay. Um, it's kind of shows three different sides of Mario Bava. Okay, well, the like the the beginning part of it, if you were listening to or if you watched uh, Dracula from last week, then uh, you'll know that we love you know like an excellent font yeah. with like a uh, you know uh, huge crashing. What would you, what 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 term did you use? A cacophony. Yes. Um, 
of like crazy music to like really grab your attention and like they've they've basically done that here as well so i was like yes this is so good now you said this is 63 did i not really like read that this was 60 i know it was 63 i thought it was 60 because no, i looked at it, it was like... released in released in 63 in italy 65 okay. in france and then i think it got like picked up by other people um Oh, yeah, okay. but it is 1963. Yeah. But even just to like think about the difference between this and Dracula, which I guess is only five years apart, mm. um, it seems like it's come on leaps and bounds. Like yeah. I love Dracula; I thought that was amazing last week. But I loved this movie so much. Yeah, like um, all of the bits, or I did. The telephone was my least favorite. Okay, but yeah. it still had a lot of stuff in there. Um, that that you can see the influence on horror movies even to today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It seems like so many different things uh, have come from that. Like the idea of like someone hiding in the house, the idea of um, uh, like a killer who even after he's dead seems to you know imply that he's going to keep on coming back and back and back. Um, the use of the telephone as sort of like a as, as a way to terrify somebody. Yeah. There's so many different things in it, and also the double bluff where you think for a minute that um, the hey, other hey. one. Well, are we gonna well, are we gonna do it in order or? Yeah, we we'll just jump around. I like it when we just jump around. Yeah, but, but can we jump around? Can we jump around within each story? Because otherwise, it's gonna get a bit okay. muddled. Yeah. yeah. So should we start with the telephone or? Yeah, let's start with the telephone. Okay. So the the basic story of the telephone is you have. Um, you know, a very well-dressed lady who uh, comes back to her house, uh, phone rings, and she answers it, and she's saying hello, hello, and no one's there. And this this happens a few times, and as it happens, as each time it happens, you know, she's going around her house doing her her usual uh, usual things, and then um, she's getting more and more worked up every time the phone rings, every time she answers it, she's getting more and more scared, and then finally, there's a voice at the other end. And it's essentially someone that she used to know. She's threatening. She she feels threatened by him, you know, and she's shocked to hear from him and um, just becomes more and more upset. Well, because, because this guy's supposed to be dead. Yes. Yeah. That, in that, the, that, in that's a this, pretty key part of the in story. In this version, he is supposed to be dead. In the original Italian version, um, she is a uh, sex worker he is her ex-pimp and she put him away in prison um man i feel like this we need to have watched this other version yeah i only i only found this out when i was doing research after we had watched it because this is the version that's on shudder so we were just like oh okay this must be the one yeah so man i'm bummed out maybe we'll do another version maybe we'll go back and rewatch the um this uh this other cut of it and kind of give you a review of that as well yeah like later on okay not now (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah so this is uh like the most uh jallo version of or like the story out of the three so for anyone who's not familiar with with jallo it's it's kind of um murder mystery thriller yeah. like real Lurid. like yeah bright colors and like real shocking like scenes of horror um this version doesn't have those like shocking scenes of horror but it does have that kind of um yeah like a a mystery and it's got like it's got the kind of uh aesthetic and kind of um soundtrack kind of cues that are very very much uh jello staples i'd say yeah and like the music's a bit stripteasy and a bit like noir the whole thing's a bit bit sexual yeah i mean it, it, it actually reminded me of um like i still need to build up my collection because i want all of them but um when i was younger and i would pick up like uh look for like scary books and stuff and i started picking up like the pan horror books mm. um and a lot of those were um like 1960s 70s were like when they had a lot of them coming out and a lot of them were like revenge or like adultery and getting revenge on someone who's like wronged you in that kind yeah. of way and the this story like just it could have easily been a story in one of those books um giallo well, the genre is based on um italian mystery books and the covers were all yellow, yellow and that's yeah. why it's called giallo 
I love that. Not jello. Uh, jello, yeah. <laughs> Jalo. Um so yeah, there there was a bit of a difference in there and then uh so as she's getting more and more worked up, you've got this guy on the other end of the phone who's like making threatening statements to her and stuff. She's getting more and more upset and he is making it incredibly clear that he can see her. So he's, you know, making comments about what she's wearing. Like she hides, she hides <laughs> her she, money and her jewelry. She wears and, the weirdest uh, towel, towel robe. Yeah, it's like a towel toga. It's yeah. like I was over like, one wow, arm. This is, uh, I I'm want like, one of these. Yeah, I want one. It's but, like a, it's like a form-fitting towel. Yes. It's so weird. But it, is it in the same? Do uh, you buy them in the same store that you buy the L-shaped sheets from? <laughs> where. You know they cut they they managed to come down over the torso of the uh, you know like down to the hips on the guy, but right up to like boob level on the girl, so you don't see anything. It is because it's still quite the thing is it's still quite like flattering and fashionable. It's almost like Versace made like a <laughs> like just made a beautiful ball gown, but just made it out of the stuff that you would have uh, make your your shower your uh, House, bathroom towels out of. House Versace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's got this sort of glam but cheap kind of decor in the house, which I I really like. Um, and she's like running up, like sort of looking very scared, but still gorgeous throughout the entire thing. And she hides her money and jewelry, and then he calls her again, and he's like, "I can see that you've hid your money and jewelry." And she's like, "Oh my god!" And she starts like sobbing, and then she calls Mary, and we're not really sure why she's calling this other lady uh it seems like they're estranged and again in the two different versions you've got um she was in this one it was that um rosie who's the girl who's receiving the calls um the mary and frank who she is apparently getting these calls from uh Mary and Frank were together and then Rosie and Frank ended up getting together and Mary was upset about it and that's kind of the story that they go with in this one. Um, in the other one it's kind of it's it's hinted at that Mary and Rosie were previously in a relationship together. Oh um, really? And um, yeah they kind of wiped all of that out because American International were just like no we don't <laughs> think we don't think audiences will like that so they just sort of, and just whipped that out completely. Um and so yeah they they gave it more of a supernatural element didn't they with like they were just like but frank's dead and then she received a note through her door and it's like uh the the handwriting appears on the bit of paper as she's holding it which i'm sure like you know some like audiences in that time would have been like whoa yeah. <laughs> how they do that um it was the uh, 1960s version of the matrix yeah they're like <laughs> whoa it's amazing um yeah so we're all like okay is frank a ghost like what's happening like i was writing down i was like who is frank i don't feel like it explained it but then like i said after reading that this was like chopped and changed a fair amount and i think even the music was changed a little bit um that i have a feeling that maybe the other one will make a little bit more sense or it will feel yeah, a bit i more... don't say because like i said this is my least favorite of mm. of all of them I like there were loads of elements I loved. I like the phone calls, like the con. It's like just just how they play it in Scream. Like every time, it's uh, just a build she, up, isn't it? Every time she gets a phone call, it just ramps up that tension little bit by little bit. It's shot beautifully. Um, uh, the music is is great. I know you just said that might be different different music in this one, but the music is still great. And like I said, there are elements of it that are super iconic and uh, very very influential on you know slashes to this day mm -hmm. but the story just didn't quite hang together also once it got to a certain point in the story I feel like it just kind of like plateaued and I yeah. was like okay I can but the the part that I was getting a bit confused out obviously you know you've got like Rosie and Mary who are like estranged and then uh, Mary comes over and she's like helping her and I literally wrote down it's Mary so I was getting this feeling from it and then it got towards the end and I was like oh, okay so it's not Mary so basically um, Frank turns up as Rosie is like under the influence of tranquilizers that Mary has given her and just weakest, goes, like, weakest tranquilizers ever yeah she was just like Enough oh just you. put, them in, your, put yeah. them in your tea and have some rest and I'll I'll be here all night so it's okay and I was just like she's totally gonna kill her like uh, that's where I was going but 
um she is then writing a note to rosie saying like uh i think you really need some help you know that frank's dead you know and she's like trying to be supportive and like try and get her some help and then frank suddenly appears and strangles mary thinking that she's rosie because he only sees her from the back and then uh rosie kills frank and then that's it and we were like okay but then the phone call after she gets a phone call after it's like even if you've killed me i'm still gonna come back and try and kill you every night so i was like i like that i like that little sort of like the sting in the tail but like i said it wasn't my favorite of of all three and that's not to to you know put it down or anything like that i still enjoyed it a lot but it just wasn't my favorite of the three but then the only one is that um it's mary is actually in the in the original one in the italian one uh mary is actually impersonating frank on the phone Mm. um to try and uh, and then the note that she's writing instead of it being you need help it's confessing to her that she did it so that they would be reconciled and they'd be able to like put their friendship back to put their friendship or relationship back together by scaring her so much that that she'd be like i have no one else that i can call you know i'm gonna call mary and then like mary and rosie would like get back together or be friends again or you know whatever their relationship was a completely different story and um and then frank comes in and and then that's it basically so like it turns out then frank was really there the whole time and who was it on the phone and you know all of that so it's all a little bit like what Um, well I think let's move on to the next one okay so which one do you want to do let's move on to the Verdelac Verdelac okay so uh, Verdelac is actually a Tolstoy story yeah I had no idea which I really like Tolstoy wrote fucking YA vampire fiction (laughs) (laughs) so um, yeah it's uh, this is the longest segment Mm. Um, which is why when you were saying earlier about like what order you would do it in I was quite surprised that this wouldn't be the final one because it is the longest and then like Drop of Water is maybe like it's just, maybe it's just in terms of like short. which was my favourite like ah. I, yeah Verdlac <laughs> Verdlac was my second favourite it was a close run thing but Verdlac just wasn't what didn't quite live up to a Drop of Water yeah so we are told a little bit about the what the, the Verdlac is and um, it's actually um, from like Slavic folklore stories, yeah. uh, and it's like a like a sort of Russian vampire that will come back and feed on the blood of the people that he loves, um, and with the goal of turning their entire family into Verdelac. So, uh-huh. uh, so I kind of love that. Like it's um, got some nice folk horror elements, yeah. which are. Uh... Which are very much in Kirsty Caswell's wheelhouse. My total fave. So, yeah, the the original word is uh, like a corrupt version of like a Western Slavic ver- uh, word, which is like Volkodlak or something like that. Good, which, good effort. <laughs> which means which means a wolf with his skin turned inside out. Which I kind of so <laughs> again furry on the inside, maybe like a like werewolfy kind of thing, like a you know. Well, um, Gorka, who turns out to be the the main Verdlack, yeah, he wears that big old wolfy coat, mm-hmm. so maybe that's uh, yeah. maybe that's something to do with it. Yeah, and he's played by Boris Karloff, who does a great great job. He's so good. But let's just say some things we like about this second one. Okay, it looks. I'm going to say it's about all of them, but I, the this one maybe it still is an order this one looks amazing yeah one thing I'd say we haven't really mentioned is like the production design the set design the costume design mm. are all fantastic mm. it looks it looks like the the budget must have been 8,000 million pounds yeah it looks so good that was a real made up number I just did there but um, <laughs> it looks so good um, I can't even imagine what the budget must have been probably not loads mm. Um Kirsty's scrolling on IMDb to see what it was. Um, no, I've no got budget. the... That's all right, don't worry. But anyway, whatever, whoever, they did an amazing job with what I assume is probably not a lot of money. Um, just to give a shout out to like the, the, the set, the two main sets, like the, the household, um, like the farmhouse where they go is amazing. But the 
the set they use in the end, which well, like, is like the, the broken down castle. Oh my god! Bit. I was like, it's that, huge. It's a set, right? It's yes, not like it's like a soundstage. It's it massive. Looks amazing. I imagine there's lots of like, you know, old timey camera trickery. There's probably like a bunch of matte paintings and stuff like that in there to make it look bigger than it actually is. But it looks so good. It looks like it's straight out of your very best D and D campaign. Yes. you know what I mean. Yeah, I was like, you it couldn't you so couldn't good. imagine a better look, looking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, location for your vampire werewolf story yeah it's so good it, and like if you find yourself like sucked into it like with the telephone I was looking around like oh this is quite nice and like looking at the... <laughs> I'd have that lamp <laughs> yeah I would definitely have that lamp but um, yeah you uh, in this you just get completely swept away with like yeah, definitely. where they are meant to be and you feel the cold you know they're like up in the mountains in like uh, Eastern Europe and it's like super duper cold and somebody could write a fucking sweet black metal song about this I'm surprised they haven't there's probably there there's probably a band called Verdelac somewhere yeah I bet so. there is but um yeah so it's if not copyright <laughs> you'll be seeing a uh, behind the sofa Verdelac black metal font t-shirt coming soon to you oh I want to do that we actually might cut this out so we can, <laughs> we can do it and send it out that'd be pretty awesome <laughs> But um, yeah, so the the, the basic story is uh, it, there's a, um, a traveling man who discovers a, a headless body that's been stabbed in the heart yeah. with a really fancy-looking, pretty, gnar- pretty gnarly as well. Yeah. Like I said, considering this is only five years after, and you're saying that they've cut some of the more lurid gore mm. out of it um, for for 1963, a decapitation, and it's not you see the stump, which yeah. is pretty gnarly. But then you also see the severed head mm. and it's like stuck on a gatepost and you're like, oh my God, this is so metal. Fun, fun fact, fun fact. Uh, Mario Barber's dad was the guy who sculpted the the severed head and, really? did an amazing and, the, job. and the head slash face of the uh, one of the characters that, that we'll talk about in The Drop of Water. Oh yeah, you could tell they were yeah. done by the same person. But they were so uh, good, very, right? Oh, I think they look amazing. Yeah, they look so good. So 63... <laughs> 63 it just blows my mind I just feel like in more recent films like the when people are just more relying on CGI and things like that like when you have like practical special effects and like proper like actual tangible physical items that are made has more weight has more impact when you see it it is so good but um yeah so uh this guy his name is Vladimir of course he's a count as well is he? Yeah, he's a he's count. He's like a noble guy. Like, he's no count, binner, count no binner. Vladimir. Okay. Yeah, and that's why I was like, he's a vampire. <laughs> and I was like, Count Vlad, get the fuck out. There's no way this guy is not a uh, not a dracool. But yeah, so he finds this body and he sort of takes the, takes the knife out for some reason and just decides to go wandering around with it. Finds, um, finds this little cottage and... Um, uh, like finds shelter there and then you know like the man in the house is just like well that's my dad's knife that's my father's knife um and they all start looking super serious and everything and it's like well i don't think it was him but um yeah they they then say to him you know you can stay here but you know uh, our father told us that he was going off into the mountains and that if he wasn't back by like 10 p like 10 p.m on the fifth day like very specific yeah um that um he was kind of lost basically to the to the Vodilac. so we learn a little bit more about what they are about the family about you know all the different characters um and then so we're counting down to like that final day you know the sun's gone down everyone's like really shaken and then you hear the uh like the chimes of the clock ring 10 and you're like you know they're like is he lost and but i think one thing to say is that they set it up really beautifully they made it they make it seem like it's going to be assault on precinct 13 but with <laughs> old timey vampires which it, is awesome expl- it's, explain- basi- it's basically um you know six people locked in a house and they're like and one of the lines they they give is if and father told us that if we see him after 10 on the fifth day then we're to drive a, a lance through his heart, no matter what he says. Yeah. Um, so it's very much like it's going to be like an old West showdown, like 10 o'clock rings and then he's going to appear and then it's going to be like a big, you know, 
some shit's going to go down, and it does. Um, but the one thing is, obviously, because it's their father, um, they can't. And also because he has some human element left to him, um, he's a bit he kind rough, of, isn't he? He kind but... of he kind of tricks them into into letting him stay in the house. Big big mistake. Yeah, big mistake. well, they're, they're like reluctant, same as you would be. Like, you yeah, know, of course, if, I'm just, I can, if anyone it, came back, it, well, it's the father. You know what I mean? Like, it's all well and good to be like. Now, if I come back after the fifth day, make sure you kill me. And you're like, "All right, Dad." And yeah, and then all of a sudden he turns up. And you're like, "I don't think I've really got the heart yeah, to uh, really to drive that. a lance through your through your yeah. chest." And he and like I said, he seems very like it, you know he he um, comes back and he's just like, "Oh, this is basically uh, I'm fine, but you know I've spent five days in the mountains. What do you yeah. expect I'm going to be like when I come back?" You know, and um. They're all a little bit wary of him, but you know, like he he turns up at the house. Um, and they do they do a great job at this stage of starting to like ramp up the tension because there's loads of like little little actions that he uh, that he kind of that he undertakes that are really sort of like don't seem like much on the outside, but when you kind of realise what's going on beneath the surface, you think, holy shit! Like he asks to like have a hug from his grandson. And you can see all the adults like standing around, like, "Oh my god, he's gonna fucking kill this kid!" And he's just like, "Give me a big old kiss!" And then he's just like, "You know, as you know, what the what's about to happen." So, it just the the tension's just ramping up and ramping up. Yeah, it, it's it's got that cl- a classic kind of haunt about it. Like, there's lots of different things. You know, like people are getting paranoid. They they like spot him outside the window just peering in and he's like lit up from like well this this is when it, this is for me when it's the, when it's the best when it's yeah. like i said before when it starts to treat the story like a classic old like grim's fairy tale sort of like a myth like there's something about it that's very like bedtime story-ish mm. which i found really quite terrifying yeah um, and they, like you said, that they light Boris Karloff and they give him this like giant hulking, uh, like furred coat. He looks so like he had, Jon it, Snow kind of coat. Yeah, he? yeah. Like, like... But, but like I said, he looks at, he looks like a bear. Yeah. He looks like a giant bear that's at the window, and you can just imagine this, you know, as a kid, like with your covers like pulled up over your head, like holy shit, this is. Ter-. He looks like the bogeyman. You he know does, what I mean? and he's all like grey and purple, like um, yeah, they light him in these amazing and, like, lurid colours. Yeah, makeup on his face, so he looks really haunted and like looks like he's slightly frostbitten. You know, he's yeah. got that look. But um, so um, he turns back up, and uh, once the family has gone to bed, he kills. Um, one of his sons and he uh steals the steals his grandson away and they're all like oh what's he doing and they like run after him he's like they have like a like a horse chase and like you know <laughs> so there's some the great, really fake looking great horse. fake looking horse <laughs> they're riding <laughs> everything about this looks amazing except that horse mm. it's like a real like hobby horse style they just yeah. like put some like tufts of fur or, like Sh- and you can just see bottom. it moving moving up and down a little bit but yeah it's, it's great and then um yeah and then they cut um uh georgia who's like the oldest son he comes back and um he's he doesn't have uh gorka with him but he has like ivan the little boy he's just carrying him in his arms and like his mother like drops to her knees and she's oh, sobbing that's fucking great and then they come back into the house and they've laid him down and they they turn um uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Piet- Pietro, no, the okay. the younger brother, who's who's already like a full grown man. But um, they they turn him over and they realise he's got like the the bite marks on his neck. You know the classic bite marks. But they've done it so they're like raised up, so it's like it looks like it's travelling through his system. If you yeah. look like it's, um, and it looks so good. And so they're like, right, okay, so we need to behead him and drive a drive a stake through his heart, or drive a drive a knife through his heart. And uh, so they do that, like I think, off screen with the like the older, yeah, with um, the brother, yeah, with the brother. Um, and that is actually from again from like Eastern European folklore. Like they they would uh, bury people, I think, in in other places as well in the world, but they would bury people um, either without their heart. Uh, with a with a blade or a, or a stake through their their heart, um, they would pin them inside their coffin so they couldn't get up. They would put a curved blade over their necks, 
so that if they did try and raise up, they would behead themselves. You know, they would have all of these different things that would try and I like have a tattoo stop them. of this very action. Yeah, it's so metal. But <laughs> but yeah, so they then come in and they're just like, right, okay, so we now need to do this with the kid who's literally like, you know, like I think he's about like seven or eight years old. He's laying out on like, uh, you know, one of those like almost looks like a small like plague cart you know those like wooden yeah. flat trolley type things that they use for bring out your dad yeah. and um he's got like a bandage across his eyes and they've tied him down and everything because they're, they're, they're doing all the precautions and then his mother is just like no you can't like she's just she can't deal with the idea of like her son's body being mutilated uh, or you know even believing that he could possibly come back and so they finally agree and they decide to give him a burial um but then later on I was just like this is my like ultimate favourite bit I know it's horrifying but like um, they look out of the window down onto you know they're on the first floor they look down out of the window and you just see the little boy in his like white nightgown just like wandering slowly towards the house like they've they've buried him and he's coming back and you can hear him and they're like oh no no, it's just the wind like talking to his mom just going it's just the wind it's just the wind nothing but you can hear him going mama mama i'm cold let me in and i'm like oh it's so creepy but it's so good like it's just oh i loved it so much but <laughs> yeah that was um but then from there we basically get the the kind of like showdown between yes. uh gorka and uh and vladimir yeah he's killed everyone except for uh vladimir and the and the sister who's Stenka. Stenka. Stenka, yeah um, who, who vladimir has managed to fall in love with in in like 24 hours I'm telling you we i swear we said this before but like in the, back in the old days it was you like you fall in love real you, quick yeah you're single aren't you you'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll yeah. do let's get That's married yep um, but yeah like you you get to see uh, like uh, Sedenka and Vladimir uh, he's just like oh I think we should be safe in here in this crypt that is completely yeah, covered like, by cobwebs ter- I was like skeletons everywhere yeah, I, was I was like, like no yeah, way yeah no this seems like a totally safe place and he's like oh I found a bed for you and it's like a board covered in straw and he's like oh you can just lay down here it's fine nothing but the finest yeah and so they fall asleep he's like throughout this whole thing it's just been like you need to run away with me like you know we can start a new life we can get away from all of this horror and everything and she's just like i can't because you know she feels connected to her family and you know it's all this like blood you know connections and stuff you know the like old family um that i got that feeling but they they fall asleep and then she wakes up because and she walks out almost like she's in a trance um out into like that amazing uh soundstage that we were talking about earlier that's just like the ruins of an old castle and um it's she walks out and she's calling for her dad and he comes out boris karloff and he's lit underneath with like purple light and he looks so good Mm. and then all of the rest of her family come out and they are all like uh you know you can see the bite marks on the side of their neck and you know they're all uh they've all been turned and they're all like why were you leaving us and it just again it's that sort of like ramping up into madness kind of feeling that i got from it and it was just yeah it's so good um i love this one this one like i said <laughs> this one had that real kind of like uh like i said before grim fairy tale sort of your primal fear i think the idea of like a kid coming back to life and like calling out for his mother um, was extra terrifying yep. and like I said just like Boris Karloff as this like hulking brute uh, who's coming during the night to like steal your children yep. seemed almost like a Krampus-y kind of like yep. uh, had that kind of vibe to it so yep. yeah I absolutely love this one and one of the final scenes you see is uh, like all of the family just standing outside the window staring yeah. including the child which just makes it super creepy so the final um the final kind of uh, segment of it a drop of water mm. such a simple premise a woman uh, a nurse gets called to uh, to kind of like preside over uh, a dead woman who's who's a, a psychic or a, a medium, like a medium yeah. um, and then while she's kind of like preparing her for um, for burial she sees that she's got this like sapphire ring on her finger um, and she takes a sapphire ring, and then we go down into like a Edgar Allan Poe telltale heart it really kind of is. vibe I wrote that. to it. Yeah. So it's like um, 
she goes back home and everywhere she can hear like this these drops of water um and they just slowly sort of like drive her mad and then shit goes shit goes south yeah. um this is the first part that we saw because like like i said this is uh, obviously edited in a, in a different way to the to mm. the regular version I was absolutely blown away by how good this one looked. Yep. Like I said, they for me the order um, for the original the the original cut seemed like the the way I would go with it. This they saved the strongest till last or first in our in our case, but you can see the direct line from this to Dario Argento and especially Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Um, the the nurse lives in this uh, in this in this flat, uh, and there's like a neon sign outside the flat, and it just keeps on sort of like pulsing from like black to this kind of like really lurid like uh, baby blue sort of color. Mm. There's these fantastic reds and purples. The purples, especially when they're in the uh, is it Madame Zena? Is that her name? Um, I don't know. I didn't have her name written down. Uh, but uh, I think it's I think it was Madame Zena. But like when she's in her house and it's kind of like dis- you know what I mean you can smell it. Like there's cats everywhere. It's like all dusty. Dolls. Yeah, dolls. When we need this is another we need to put the word <coughs> the call out to to all of your super fans out there. When was the first time that a creepy China doll was used in a horror movie? <laughs> because there are so many in this one, it's, they look awesome. Um, but yeah, just and it's not just the color. You know what I mean? Like Dracula looked amazing, but it was quite static. If you get what I mean. Yeah. Whereas this, there's like amazing like camera movement. There's a scene where um, when the nurse like arrives uh, in in the mansion, into Madame Zena's mansion, um, and they have this amazing shot um, after the nurse has just warned her like, don't touch anything in the house because she's a powerful psychic, a powerful she's medium, and she's put a curse on everything. Um, they have this amazing shot where they show like a top down. A top-down angle of um, of like a table, and it's laid out with like tarot cards. Uh. And then the camera kind of like moves across the table and down the table legs, and then it like sweeps across. I was like, "Wow, this is like how the fuck did they do this?" Because mm. I assume this is like way before like Steadicam or anything like that. They it wouldn't have had like... like tracking or anything like no, that. No, it was so... it was amazing. I couldn't even figure out how the how the <laughs> hell they would have done it back then. Um, but yeah, just the look is so good, and it build, and you know, it's there for a reason as well. It definitely builds the uh, builds the creep factor when you get into the scenes later on where um, they're building up this kind of like drop drop of water motif. Like the pulsing of the lights is so good, and it's really effective, and also keeps you in your edge because every time the screen goes black, you think, "Oh my god, this is going to be something stood behind her." Yeah, because or... we're so used to it, we're so yeah. trained with that, but. I mean, some of the other bits that I really like is like the idea of it being like that she's, you know, like a woman who lives on her own. She's, you know, like they're doing her arts and crafts when she gets the call to come to the house to prepare the body. And um, yeah, she's uh, she she's not really happy about it. because obviously she's settled in with her drink for the evening. And um, she then goes into the bathroom to get changed. And I don't know whether it was like a directorial decision i like to think it was rather than like the character the actress didn't want to be undressed on scene uh on on camera but um she goes into the bathroom and as she is sort of disrobing you know she's obviously got clo- like underwear on underneath but she sort of disrobes and the camera turns away and just looks at her living space you know her like dining room table the flashing light outside the window for a good few seconds before she returns back into the room fully dressed and it gave me that idea that there was already something in her in there kind of watching her um and yeah so it's it's just it was just really really well done and it felt you know like you knew the type of person that she was by the way she answered the phone and like you know everybody in i think every different um segment everyone wants to everyone has a little drink yeah everyone likes to drink yeah but um but yeah so she gets called out she goes to the house which we which we already talked about which is totally dilapidated and mm. you know it's um 
it's pretty gross and she goes into the bedroom where the the body is laid out and you just get this first view oh my god it's lingering view of this terrifying like wax face like it's it's, like rictus grin yeah Um, it's so creepy with the eyes open and the teeth bared and i was like man that's gonna stick with me that image yeah um is so terrifying yep uh, I loved it. I loved it so much. And like I said, amazing job. Six nineteen sixty three. Just yep. give it up for whoever was uh, for for Mario Barber's dad, I guess, who yeah. designed these. But um, yeah, so she was not. She's obviously not really uh, taking much stock in this whole. Everything's got a curse on it from the housekeeper, who's like really, really nervous and and you know like don't touch anything. And she's like, yeah, whatever. So she sees the ring on the on the finger, and. Have I missed a bit? No, no. <laughs> she sees the ring on the finger and uh, and sort of removes it. As she removes it, she uh, nudges the table, <clears throat> knocks over the water, knocks over a glass of water that's on the side, and that's where you get the the dripping water sound. And um, she's just like, no, 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 like everything's fine, because the housekeeper's like, what's going on in there? It's like everything's fine, everything's fine. She like grabs the ring, shoves it down her top, you know. Like, yeah. Gets the gets the uh, the old lady dressed, and uh, there's one point or a couple of points where like there is a fly, and you hear this very loud buzzing on the on the track, and then it, this fly just lands on the corpse's finger where the ring was, and I kind of I really really loved that. It was yeah. just like this little like. Like you just keep on throughout the whole movie. Like when she gets now, she after this, she basically goes back to the to the her own flat, and then she puts the ring on, and then the the fly reappears again, and it's kind of like the guilt following her and like yeah. gnawing at her, and, and the then you start to hat. get the dripping of the water. So you get a couple of different scenes of her going to different rooms, like she can hear dripping in one room so she goes and sorts that out and then in another and then she hears the window open and then it's kind of the window kind of like makes this horrible like death rattle cats you hear cats yowling and stuff but then finally we get to the the kind of like the big payoff where um we see she opens one bedroom door and then we see madame Zena standing oh she's She's laying. laying in the bed first of all but then you know we get a obviously that is terrifying enough but then we have another scene where she goes into another she room and then she sits up and then like starts following her and then like she's she, the, the like i said the light is just pulsing and then all of a sudden as the light's pulsing it goes black and then when it comes back then madame Zena's hand is like on her shoulder um but then we get this amazing final kind of showdown where madame Zena is like walking towards her and uh and the nurse is just starting to like her hand with the ring on mm. is sort of like starting to go up towards her own throat and then obviously you, you kind of like get the payoff that um she strangles herself <laughs> like obviously under the control of madame Zena. um then you get this awesome kind of like postscript where the police find the body um and they're talking to one of her neighbors about it and uh they notice a bruising around her finger where the like, ring was oh yeah exactly the the ring finger and they're like hmm looks like someone stole her ring finger and it's, it which is like... funny because there's no signs of force entry and there's no other signs of a struggle and then all of a sudden you see the neighbor's face sort of like yeah that's funny isn't it like, like obviously it's it's pretty obvious that i stole this fucking ring but then you hear the dripping water yeah and she starts to look really nervous but yeah they zoom in on like uh they zoom in on uh helen is the name of the nurse and they uh they zoom in on her face and she's like literally you know like when you see that kind of died of fright like Mm. her eyes are like the widest ever she looks like she's absolutely and they were just like yeah she saw she looks like she's seen something that it wouldn't be possible to live through and i was like oh my god Well, she's also kind of like got her own version of the madame zena face on as well which i kind of like so i imagine that the the next door neighbor who who burst in and stole the ring mm. I wonder if she's going to be visited by Madame Zena or by Helen the nurse or by all of them yeah. mm. um, but like I said it's got like a real amazing gothic horror um, kind of Edgar Allan Poe vibe to it, it obviously borrows heavily from um, the Telltale Heart Yeah. Uh, but this was 100% my favourite 
Um, the ending I thought was fantastic. All the you know the ending and the postscript I thought were both fantastic. Yeah. Um, the color and the way it's shot and the acting and the the set design, everything, every element of this story is gangbusters. Yeah. I absolutely fucking loved it. Did you? Did, was this your favorite, or did you like the Verdlack mm. more? I like this one more. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just a short, neat little yeah. horror story. It manages to pack so much into it. You learn so much about like every single character. There's only like you know like very few characters in it, and you learn about who they are as people uh, very very quickly. And um, yeah, it just it just sets the scene so well. And um, yeah, there's just so much like in in such a tiny little segment they yeah. managed to pack in like yeah because it's, so it's the shortest of all of them right it is yeah. and I thought that all of them would be like that and I was just like oh okay because like the like I said the Verdelac is the is the longest um, and then the telephone after that and then uh, drop of water is the shortest but for me it was the one that packed the most punch yeah definitely yeah so. short and sweet. Um, let's just talk, however, about the the music that plays over the final credits. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on. So no, it's got like... like a parody of uh, was it Stars and Stripes Forever, I think, and like Mozart's Mozart's Funeral March as well. I had like... like some Pop Goes the Weasel yeah. or something like that. And I was like, this is weird. Yeah, like considering yeah, everything that's because the fa- the finale of um, of the Verdlack is obviously uh, Vladimir submitting to Sedanka and sort of like being bitten so that he can like live with her forever which is kind of like a downbeat downbeat ending and then all of a sudden it's like I was like this is not the music that should be playing over the end of this movie yeah um, well it was originally um, a guy called Roberto Nicolosi who did the uh, the original Italian and then American International completely changed it to a guy called um, to a guy called Les Baxter Um who uh, has done he did a whole bunch of like easy listening type stuff Um, and I'm just trying to look at some of the other films that he's done to see whether there's any that we did he did like The Pit and the Pendulum um, uh, The Raven when they did it in 1963 but then a whole bunch of other like uh, weird I don't know how to describe them like 60s uh, like bikini movies you know the types of ones sweet um (laughs) But uh, yeah, Kim Newman. Who, if you don't know Kim Newman, he's like the uh, he he knows a, a hell of a lot about horror. Would you say? Yeah, he's like a, <laughs> he's like a journalist and an author. Um, I met him once at um, uh, uh, Fright Fest. Yeah, many many years ago. Because uh, he he feels like from watching both of them that um, like Les Baxter's score on the one that we watched here is like kind of inappropriate. It's like each each shocking bit has like a real like blast of shockingness yeah. whereas like apparently the um like the the nicolosi soundtrack on the original was like it it, it worked a lot better okay so like I said, we've, again, got, we've got to track down this other version yeah definitely um yeah but yeah uh in the end like the the three of them together were great um uh, boris karloff doing the like little like uh, comparing bits in between and at the end just like totally made it for me because he's yeah, just I loved he's it. so good I, it, it seems, seems like it shouldn't work seems like 100% that it shouldn't work but it's you can tell that he's having a fucking blast doing it it seems like he's having so much fun yeah but then when you which, think about which sells it when you think about stuff like um, like Tales from the Crypt and things like that like having yeah, those oh, little yeah, intros and stuff in between like it works and like Elvira like Vampira like yeah you know, just, and even just to have them be funny yeah. So it kind of like is a contrast point to what's going on for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did it shit you up? Um, I wouldn't say it shit me up. Again, like it's uh, like uh, the drop of water. Like you are waiting for the payoff mm. in all of them, but that's basically what you get from watching horror movies. You're waiting for like you know like the big shocker to come. But um, when it did, I don't think. Uh, you know with the exception of the telephone maybe but again that might be because of how they sort of rejigged it a bit I wouldn't say that it was um, uh, it's it's not shocking but it's really entertaining yeah it's just fun and like really enjoyable and gets your adrenaline going and you're waiting for the you know it's not it doesn't rely on jump scares it relies on building up atmosphere and I love that so 
I'd say something bits of it did shit me up. Oh. The, it's got to be one of our first shit me ups. Okay, which bits? Uh, low level. I'm talking like yeah. baseline shit yeah, like me up. Shiv- I think, little shudders. I think um, Boris Karloff at the window yeah. is scary. I also yeah. think that um, uh, the kid yeah. oh, coming back true. from the grave um, was pretty fucking out. terrifying. And uh, Madame Zena, just like at the end, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like I was, uh, you know what I mean? I wasn't like clutching my pearls or anything like that, but it did, uh, it certainly had gave me a little, there was a movement on the needle. It's enough, yeah. It's enough willy, to give you a little, beg your pardon. <laughs> it's enough to give you a little, um, like a little shudder, which is like, you know, the best part. Because you're not like horrified, disgusted, like, oh God, I can't watch this or whatever. You're like, uh, you've got that adrenaline going, but in a really good, fun way. So, yeah. I wonder where this one ranks on the horror anthology stakes. Because you've got like Creep Show and Tales from the Crypt and like a you know, hot, you know, VHS well, is... and more, more modern times and Trick or Treat. It's it's one of those ones where it was um, they they felt that it was like more sophisticated than like your standard horror because mm. it was obviously a lot of care was taken in like getting the feeling of it just right well that's yeah that's definitely something you can say that this is a, a movie made by people at the top of their craft yeah like they're all craftsmen like the costumes the set design uh, everything about it is so and the cinematography especially are just so good that it does kind of like it elevates it from the normal kind of like schlocky uh, horror movies that's for sure yeah I mean there's um, there's a lot of people who fit it like it didn't it didn't do very well when it first came out shame um, but you've got some people that say you know it was amazing because all of them were so good at building the suspense and then you've got other people that say that it feels like three very separate stories that are just kind of botched together but I don't know I feel like I don't know if that's true I don't, I don't feel like I was watching like three the the through line is the style of Mario Bava. Mm. You know what I mean? He's kind of like showing like different muscles, like he's exercising different muscles and different kind of uh, yeah. tricks he has up his sleeve. But all of them are very. They have the same style runs throughout them. You could tell that they were made by the same person. Yeah. And for me, that's more than enough to kind of like hang them all together. Yeah. Well, I mean, people have um, like. Uh kind of put together the like the the verdelac kind of has like shades of you can feel like night of the living dead in there yeah um and like it's alive in there like it's just got that you know yeah. just a that that kind of theme to it but yeah in, in the end like definitely enjoyed it um can see why it's a, a fan favorite and a classic um looking forward to seeing whether we can find um the like original italian version so that we can have a proper comparison of the two yeah when but... we when we find it as well we'll give we maybe do like a little ps to to an episode and sort of like give a rundown and see whether we thought uh this version was better or the italian version or whatever yeah. um but yeah looking forward to watching more mario barva now <laughs> like i said bay of blood i've seen but this is uh this is not bay of blood um, <laughs> it's a little bit different yeah um what I'd love for people to do though is to go onto facebook.com forward slash behind the sofa podcast or at behind the sofa podcast on Instagram. I think tomorrow or the next day we're going to put up a little uh, a little poll question something just to see what is the best horror anthology movie Ooh. out there because it's something because Kirsty and I have recently watched a couple episodes of uh, the new Creep Show as well, which is really good. Um, some definitely stronger than others but some of them are awesome mm-hmm. um so and then we watched trick or treat and now we've yep. watched this so it's like all of a sudden horror anthologies are kind of at the front of my mind so i'd love to hear your use guys's thoughts on, uh, <laughs> on which is the best horror anthology movie out there uh, and just to let us know what you thought of this movie what you think of next week's movie which we'll come on to in a second and uh, and yeah, get involved in the in the conversation. So, yeah. Kirsty, what have we got next week? Oh my god, next week! I'm so excited. Right, I, so... I, I'm starting to not look at the list, so I'm Yay. surprised when it gets when Kirsty tells me what it is. I love that. Um, right, so uh, next week is number eighty-one. Oof. This came out in 1978. Uh huh. It is a remake of another film that we have on the list further down. 
And the, the other one came out in 1956. Oh, oh, I think I know what it is. Do you think you know what it is? It's Invasion of Body Snatchers. It is Fuck Invasion yes. of Body Snatchers. Oh, I love so this, this movie. Is, yeah, so this is the 1978 Donald Sutherland, like... Uh, Leonard, Leonard Nimoy, uh, the whole so, shebang. It's so good. Jeff freaking Goldblum in this one as well. So much uh, oddball sexual charisma on the screen. Because <laughs> I know people love all three of these guys, right? Yeah. I know that, like, yeah. uh, especially Donald Sutherland and especially Jeff Goldblum, there yeah. are a lot of people out there who are like, mm, a little... A bit uh, of a daddy. Little little thigh rubber going on. <laughs> I'm sure Leonard Nimoy's got his fans as well. Oh, but, definitely, I'm yeah. sure. But um, yeah, so I am super duper excited about this. Like, I've I've only seen it, I've only seen it once, and I've only seen it once with you. So yeah, uh, yeah so I'm super excited to dissect it a little bit. Like I said, this is a remake of the uh, 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is further down in the list. I can't remember exactly where, but we'll be able to have like a good comparison of the two when we get to the other one as well. So um so yeah super excited um please check out um behind the sofa podcast on facebook and instagram um we'll be putting up trailers um there's some sweet posters as well we put up the one for black sabbath which is like pink and green yeah with like a severed head on it it matches the uh the the look of the movie very well yeah so please come and check us out on social media and you'll be able to find that um we'll put up trailers as we find them um and we'll be able to tell you where you can rent and buy them so that you can watch along and then come and give us your little review yeah rate and subscribe review tell your friends um and just come and have a chat with us yeah um but from behind the sofa good night